Amit Paranjpe's official LinkedIn profile reads as co-founder Relly Score and chair MCCI IT ITS committee. But anyone who follows Amit on social media knows that he is so much more than what the LinkedIn headline conveys. Amit has close to 70,000 followers on Twitter and that's because of the prolific nature of Amit's interests. His insightful tweets help all his followers learn and engage with a variety of topics. So we wanted to pick Amit's brains about how his curiosity has fueled his public persona. Amit is also prolific when it comes to networking. So we asked him for tips on improving networking skills. Spoiler alert, don't do networking for the sake of it. Do it because you're genuinely interested in the person. We also spoke about the different manifestations of his curiosity from reading books to taking courses to writing articles. So if you're thinking about how curiosity and networking can help you and your team stay future relevant, you will find this useful. If you're just plain curious about how Amit manages to do what he does, you'll find this super useful. And by the way, remember to subscribe to our show on whatever platform you're getting this on. That way, you'll get notified when we publish a new episode. And we do have many interesting guests lined up for you. This is the CTQ Smartcast, where we have conversations about up-leveling, deliberate practice, and getting future relevant. Hi, welcome, Amit. Welcome to the CTQ Smartcast. Hi, good to good to be here, PV. Yeah, this has been uh, you know in the works for some time now. We've been thinking of uh, you know getting you on to the CTQ Smartcast for a while. Uh, I think a lot of questions have been you know prepared. Uh, waiting for you so you know let let me get started you know the the one thing that we wanted to talk to you about was uh, the role of uh, curiosity and networking in future relevance right and when we look at you look at your you know public profile uh, we can see curiosity at work right from the kind of things that you follow the kind of people that you uh, are with and we can see that in action in the kind of content that you have created um you know it's 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 curiosity all over the place uh, uh you know in, in terms of whatever your public profile is so that's what we wanted to talk about uh, so the first question that comes to mind when anyone you know thinks or talks about amit paranjpe is the whole prolific uh, nature of the number of topics that you follow right you're curious about everything from electric vehicles to pune rains from history to startups technology to cricket and also some weird hand egg kind of sport that you follow uh, so so do you just follow anything that that interests you or is there a deliberate plan about it yeah first of all thanks uh, thanks for that uh, introduction i'm i'm not sure if it's curiosity well i guess you can call it curiosity but uh, there's definitely no no systematic plan around this it's it's uh, i mean by definition curiosity is something that's a little difficult to force fit onto something or onto someone right so this is something that you have to be inherently curious about something uh, you can do a lot of things to uh, further extend it and you know work on it and things like that but fundamentally you you need to be curious about things and i think most people are i mean i think if you go all the way back to human civilization or even uh, before humans i think it's curiosity that has basically led evolution in in so many ways right again if you come back to modern times and look at uh, Look at children, for example. I mean, they are they are really curious, and uh, I think there's this, this statement. I forgot who who made that statement. Uh, I had I tweeted about it, saying you know 
I think it was Carl Sagan who, who probably said that that kids are amazingly curious in in their kindergarten or in their first grade, and they ask all kinds of questions. And something happens between that and the twelfth standard. And by the time they're in the twelfth standard, they have just completely lost it. So that's that's something to do with our education system, I guess. So again, coming back to your question, I think curiosity, I think, is something which is very inherent with uh, most people. Obviously, areas of interest can be different, topics can be different. As far as I am concerned, yes, I am. As you said, I am curious about too many things. I'll, I'll I'll give you that. I mean, it's not really science versus history versus uh, politics versus current affairs. I think it's everything around us. It's everything around me. So anything that I see, I guess a question that comes to mind is why, how, what. I mean, the five Ws, right, mm. uh, and the H, right. And if you have that outlook, then really you are not limited to any topic. Right. right. So if you see a physical phenomenon or a chemical phenomenon or a biological phenomenon, you immediately get into the science mode and start asking questions about you know what it is, how how did it happen, why did it work, and all that. Right. But you can extend the same thing to current affairs event. Right. You see an event and you see okay, why did it happen? Why is this a position of uh, person X or country X? And then you go back into history and say what what were the issues and how did it just come about? Right. You can take this sort of view. Into practically any field, any domain. So it's not a science-centric thing. You, you can do this in humanities. You can do this in uh, liberal arts. You can pretty much do it in anything, right? So I think that's probably the only thing that uh, that I would say triggers me. That uh, whenever I see something in any any domain, I guess your senses catch it. Whether you see it, whether you hear it, whether you read it, you start asking questions. I mean, I subconsciously start asking questions to myself, and that's something that I guess I can't control. I mean, sometimes it does. It bothers some. Then after a while, as I mean, sometimes I have to rush to my. These days, thankfully, you have a smartphone in your hand. Uh, till about ten years back, I had to wait till I got to my laptop to then start searching and doing queries and looking for books and looking for blogs to get some quick answers. Uh, and if I don't have that answer, it bothers me. I think that's one way to sort of test if you have curiosity. If a lot of questions starts bothering you to the point where you then actively seek out. ways to answer that question for yourself and as i said it could be a combination of google search looking at a book uh, checking out a library asking an expert in that field whatever let let me pause here i think you will have bunch of questions uh, questions on it yeah so uh, you know amit you spoke about how things are easier in terms of you know the the thirst of uh, knowledge right now with a smartphone in your hand but 10 years ago you had to rush back to the laptop and uh, you know check so how are things uh, you know if you just compare how things were when you were growing up when you had to still go to a library to the times when you were with a laptop to now when you have uh, you know everything at the back end call so how have how has it affected that part of your life where you are trying to find these answers and that's that's a good question i think if i were to go back to my school days you know that time obviously there was uh, there was no internet there was no no computer and when i was in school libraries were also not that easily accessible i mean our school didn't have a great library and public libraries i mean you didn't have encyclopedia out there but i was fortunate uh, my parents my grandparents my uncle aunts many of them themselves were quite curious about bunch of different things and probably saw that even i was curious about bunch of different things so ever since i remember practically even before fifth standard i used to get regular gifts of various encyclopedia type books and there were those tell me why series there were various kinds of encyclopedias across various uh, fields 
that so i essentially had a small home library if you will across a variety of different different topics uh, mostly on science around around that time and that was my biggest source i guess at that point of time then uh, i think in the school days i used to also subscribe to a bunch of magazines uh, you probably may not remember but there was a good magazine called science today in the 80s hmm. uh, in india that used to be quite good i used to get couple of uh, science magazines from the us as well uh, at that time my aunt used to be in the us and she had sent me subscriptions of couple of magazines like popular mechanics uh, popular science i think scientific american as well and then my grandfather was a big fan of national geographic so we used to get that so i think all this was quite uh, quite useful to build up that knowledge uh, and of course i used to ask questions all the time and as i said you know i had family who was uh, interested in many of these topics i, I got some of those uh, interest from them so i used to ask questions uh, to to not just parents but uncle aunts grandfather and get some of those answers right then if i fast forward to college or junior college as we call it 11th to 12th standard i got access to probably what at that time was one of the best sources of knowledge in pune uh, and which was the british library right again this is uh, pre internet so i mean if you are crazily curious and the first time you saw a british library reference section or even the regular library it was literally like a, a kid in a candy store right i mean it was just just fabulous experience to see so many different books across so many different topics and nicely organized in an air conditioned environment in the reference section you could sit for hours and so after 11th standard that became a huge uh, huge uh, part of uh, seeking out information i mean suddenly you had it was like the internet you had access to all kinds of encyclopedias you had access to daily papers coming in from the uk uh, two days late three days late so so that was that was quite something and i i mean even though even when i went to iit i continued that because i used to come to pune often and more than the iit library this library the british library was probably more was better in terms of the general knowledge uh, aspects of it so that uh, so i think that continued and i think that really were my main sources uh, if you will before before the advent of uh, the internet in the late 90s i would think yeah so amit that you know that that's uh, really interesting i i remember i think you know late 90s for me uh, when british library was the place this was still pre google uh, days at least so you know whenever we used to uh, you know set quizzes i used to spend a day in the reference section at british library you know before uh, setting up a, a you know a, a quiz uh, and talking of you know quizzing i we can't let you go without asking you some quiz questions and given your you know where the, the whole nature of your varied interest I think we can do the entire one and a half hours, uh, you know, chat by just asking you quiz questions. But I'm going to restrict myself to two or three questions. And this one Hope is. Hope I can get them. This one is very simple for you. I'm sure this is right down your alley. You'll probably answer it before I complete the question, right? Um, so the Maharashtrian cultural scene is known for two historic paths. Path in the back. Uh, the first one is when Bal Gangadhar Tilak. uh you know gave a pat to this young singer and uh, you know named him uh, bal gandhar in the 1930s a young boy played bal gandhar's uh, song on harmonium and this boy received a pat from bal gandhar so who was this young boy i don't remember the name i remember the no, I, i can't remember the name sorry so this is probably the most versatile you know person that that we know of pula? It is Pula Deshpande. I, I, I thought it was Pula, but I thought thirties was a little too young. Right. Yeah, he was. He was. He was a young boy then. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so so this was pulanesh pandey who mm-hmm. got a pat from bal gandharva yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and time. and then then the rest right. is history as right. we say so uh, you know on on that note uh, amit will uh, continue on this you know this was just to sort of you know highlight your interest in pune and pune's history and not just pune's history right history of mm-hmm. uh, india and culture as well mm-hmm. not a lot of people probably associate you with uh you know interest in culture as well because you uh, have so many different interests mm-hmm. so one question that comes to mind amit is you know professionals corporate professionals mm-hmm. leaders don't seem to be indulging in you know interests that are like not directly related to their work area or to their professional growth so what do you say to this yeah i think uh, this is a good question i think uh, and that's that's going to be important for your audience i guess so i think curiosity is something that's in some sense a way of life right or in some sense how you think about anything and i think it's extremely important for work now so if you are i mean i have some spare time for some of my work i i can indulge into a lot of other things but even when i was very busy with my work you need the same curiosity in your work because because see the thing is you know if you are not curious you will just do the task at hand right whatever your task may be but if you are curious you will expand your scope in multiple directions and i'm not just talking about doing more work but learning new things related to your work you know understanding a broader perspective of what you are doing why you are doing it who your customer is who your supplier is see many times and especially this is applicable for uh, professionals who work in big companies they work in silos right and they often times completely lose track of uh, who their customer is and ultimately you know in startups it's easy because many times you know you don't have layers and you directly sort of uh, see the customer first hand or at least second hand but in large companies there are so many layers between you and the end customer that you have no idea of what's really going on so that's where curiosity is very important a curiosity can play two important roles there one is uh, the real curious ones will peel through the layers or jump through the layers and really get access to the final customer indirectly or directly right and it doesn't have to be direct but there are today there are videos out there there are blogs out there and you can still get the first hand feedback from from the customer it could be sitting in your own internal company's library right yeah. which a normal developer may not have seen secondly if you don't have access to your end customer you look at the supply chain inside the company and who maybe a sales person is your customer so treat that as your internal customer and and go forward with that right so that curiosity of di- figuring out you know something beyond your immediate scope of work whether it's knowledge about the work whether it's as i said who's the customer whether it's the strategic direction of your work or your domain right which is you know where this i'm working in this field but where is this going in 5 years in 10 years is it changing is it disrupting uh, what skills do i need to pick up uh, going along another thing that i talk about is understanding the market and the competitors right you could be a techie person but you still need to be very curious about understanding what the landscape is out there so that level of curiosity in any professional's work and i gave you software examples but this should be true in any domain right that curiosity is extremely important and what i have seen i mean work for big companies and small companies and startups uh, especially people working in big companies in any field doesn't have to be it lose this fairly quickly and they need to right. cultivate it right? right so so keep that curiosity factor going there and i think professionally it's extremely important for for people to succeed if they want to succeed they need to realize this 
right so amit can you uh, you know expand a bit more on why people should do this the reason why i ask this is uh, people seem to be feeling that you know i haven't been doing this for the last 5 10 years nothing has impacted me uh, you know people have you know like it's like the hindu rate of growth right they have been growing in their careers uh, to a certain uh, level so they assume that yeah without actually having this kind of curiosity i'm still going to get somewhere but you're going to hit that ceiling you know pretty soon absolutely and i think this is something that you probably have already interviewed him uh, anand deshpande the founder of uh, persistent the chairman of right. persistent has made this point multiple times on various uh, public uh, forums that uh, this mid level career progression is is the most critical one and if you don't skill yourself up the right way right where you are either not doing the core development or doing the core sales and again this could be used even outside of uh, the software industry right. then you are in trouble then you are just a middle manager doing paper pushing right so i think from a survivability in the career standpoint also i think this is extremely important because disruptions happen and we have seen disruptions happen in various industries multiple times it industry right now is looking good but we don't know when the next disruption will come and we have seen these disruptions in many industries over the last uh, so many decades so you whether it's reskilling whether it's understanding the overall market whether it's you know understanding what the end customer issues are that continues to be very very important and i think this is I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but this also gets into the discussion of an MBA versus an engineer, right? right. And this is a big topic, and uh, I'm not going to take sides. If I were to talk about it from a point of view of an engineer, uh, they sometimes just assume that there are some things that are responsibility of MBAs and managers, and techies don't want to get into that. Correct. And consequently, there are some managers who feel that they don't want to get into details because you know uh, they are just high-level people. Mm-hmm. and i think both are wrong right right so this this barrier of manager versus techie needs to be broken right right and so for for someone who's a engineer and a techie i would suggest that look at a good mba from a top college and see how they have uh, pursued their career or how they were they get that natural perspective of breadth i mean mm-hmm. partially it's their education and their case study method in any good mba college sort of programs them in that uh, that direction whereas the good engineering colleges college programs you in a different direction which is going deep especially if you have done masters and phd mm-hmm. right so so both sides need to sort of understand the other a little bit the breadth versus depth balance is is also important right yeah that that's a very uh, you know very interesting point amit so that that brings me to the next question um, you know given like the different areas that people will be interested in and in, in your specific example right so do you actively seek lessons or try to connect dots from different worlds you know for example say how tom brady is staying relevant uh, at at his age you know how companies should reinvent themselves last year we had a lot of you know people talking about you know getting lessons from say napoleon's waterloo uh, defeat and how that can be applied to you know how companies should respond to covid 19 so do you do that uh, and are you probably stretching it too much uh, by artificially trying to look for these you know these no, i don't and i i don't and i don't think people need to right and i think there are some people who do it because they want to put some good lines in presentations or in good talks Right. and i'm not saying they're bad sometimes it's good to come up with a good analogy saying that you know xyz in this historical perspective did this thing wrong that's why they lost or or they won because they did these things right but i think no point in overdoing it 
right right if there is an analogy it will come up but don't mm. don't go overboard in terms of trying to find find parallels especially in uh, outside fields i mean i think there are management consultants and management trainers who routinely do talks like uh, you know what you can learn from other fields mm. and and i mean i'm not saying they're bad they give you some interesting anecdotes and some ideas but ultimately you also have to look for uh, i mean look at those after you have exhausted your own field i mean first right. understand your field your domain hmm. analogies inside of your domain i mean rather than understanding something from a completely different domain whether it's warfare whether it's sport i would say understand how your competitor dealt with this problem right or how maybe you're a mid sized company so look at how a large company or a leader in your marketplace dealt with this company there may be easier answers there you know so right. so go there instead of like going into complete blue sky thinking hmm. it may not be that much value addition stick to your domain there i would say <laughs> right yeah in fact we had an interesting conversation with uh, with monish uh, you know nitin and prashant last year uh, and you know one of the parallels that we were trying to draw was uh, from the world of open source you know software development no we don't have to go anywhere very too far to distant mm-hmm. uh, to to bring these uh, you know lessons into how to deal with this whole you know remote working mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. mode and i thought that was you know right there right. You know, people right. Right. know it very well people have been part of that open source movement so much easier to draw those lessons uh, more readily so um, you know one one more uh, you know quiz question amit before we uh, move and i think i'm going to miss this one as well Oh no! You got the first one. You're going to get this one as well. Um, so this one is again related to many of your uh, interests, right? Mm-hmm. The first modern treatise on the Indian monsoon was mm-hmm. written by an English astronomer in the 17th century. Mm-hmm. This person is very well known in the field of astronomy, and uh, you know almost everyone knows this uh, person has used. um you know some term related to him in other fields not you know not related to astronomy also he also funded the printing of uh, isaac newton's principia mathematica so who is this person who was the first person to write the modern treatise on indian monsoons uh, again i forgot i know the person quite well but don't recollect the name <laughs> i remember <laughs> reading about him for sure <laughs> so this is uh, edmund haley of, of the haley's comet <laughs> so he was the first yeah, yeah he was the first person to write this right. right yeah so yeah. so we all know about um, the comet you know, uh, about the comet yeah. and uh, for us you are the weatherman of pune right uh, so like like somebody tweeted just uh, today that the weather actually listens to amit rather than <laughs> the other way around <laughs> so how do you find time to you know just just track all these things i know i think uh, i mean again weather is another area of interest for me so i would tracking it all along for for many years uh, one of the i mean it may sound very boring but one of the interesting channels that i used to watch in the us when i moved there in the early 90s and again this is pre internet days uh, you couldn't surf around so tv was a much bigger uh, part of uh, what you could uh, spend time on uh, weather channel was a very interesting channel at that time and i mean the only weather you could see in india at that time was once a day in sat photo at the right. time if you remember the early 90s and here suddenly they uh, even at that time they were talking about doppler radars they were talking about satellite maps they were talking about local fluctuations changes lot more parameters so i've been fascinated with that uh, that ever since of course now a lot of that uh, thing is available uh, here uh, both through imd as well as through private private players so so again this is one of those things i don't have, don't spend extra time on but it's something that i sort of track on the side 
one of the things that uh, you've asked this question a couple of times, right? Which is how do you how do you do all of these different things in terms of keeping track of so many things, right? And I think that is I think it's a personality uh, based issue. There are some people who like to go very deep in a particular area, and you have talked to uh, quite a few people uh, who fit that. Uh, we know many of those, and then there are some people who like to go for for bread, right? right? And I mean, if you're interested in multiple things, obviously I, I'm not interested in getting a PhD or uh, even writing a paper in any of these different things. Because I'm doing it primarily for mark my curiosity. I'm right. not doing it to uh, meet a specific deadline or a specific objective or something like that. So, so then obviously you can get into multiple things and you can multitask, right? Mm. So multitasking is something that is discussed in many contexts uh, in the corporate world as well. Uh, something. Uh, it's a very good idea. Something. It's a very bad idea, uh, and I think it's it's just an idea and it's just a tool, right? And not everyone can do it very well. Some people can do it very well for some tasks, and then it's very effective right. for them. So right. there is no one size fit all answer there as well. Right. But uh, but I mean, I like to do it, and I like to keep uh, multiple tracks or, as you say, multiple threads going yes. in my head. Hmm. Uh, and you could do the same thing physically in terms of. Multiple browsers open, multiple Twitter windows open, you know, multiple blogs open at the same time, and uh, there are some people who do it that way. There are some people who would rather just get one article and then spend next five hours on that. I do the same thing with books. I mean, many times I I read two or three books at the same time because you know I'm sort of not uh, sticks. I'm not stuck with one. I'll read one, then I'll read another one, and so. Uh, and that's that's okay. Again, I'm saying it's not right or wrong. It's just some people do it that way. But I think that that helps me to keep track of so many different interests. So right. it's a chicken and egg because I can I, I do it that way. I have many interests, but because I have many interests, I I do it this way. But it could be either way. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So I mean, we're going to come to the specific hacks and systems. Like mm-hmm. you said, mm-hmm. it is you know each for your own. You know, it's good. It's working for you. But what we've also seen is some of these conversations just become a trigger for people to try out different ideas mm-hmm. if, mm-hmm. if they're not uh, mm-hmm. you know, aware of them. So we're going to go deeper uh, into that. But before that, I wanted to ask you one question uh, about the manifestation of the curiosity. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people follow a lot of topics, which mm-hmm. is they're following news items and they're mm-hmm. just seeing what is happening there mm-hmm. right, on Twitter or uh, read some uh, articles. You seem to be taking your manifestation to the next level where you are attending, uh, you know, some of these courses, even reading books for that matter is one level higher than, uh, you know, following uh, following the news uh, mm-hmm. items. So you, you did that course at, uh, you know, course from Bhandarkar Institute. Mm-hmm. Your involvement with MCCI uh, as well, that's that's taking it to the next uh, mm-hmm. uh, level. So can you talk about that? Is is that just a natural progression of your interest in those uh, topics or? Yes, absolutely. I think, see, I mean, natural progression uh, of interest has to, I mean, if it has to go to the next level, it has to get into something more detailed, right? Again, Correct. I said, I don't want to do a PhD. In that topic, but I want to at least learn a little bit more. So the next step, probably after reading something, is if you have good online courses uh, available in your area. And as you know, last one and a half years because of all the lockdowns, in a sense, uh, some good things have happened in this area because uh, Bandarka Institute probably would have never come up with online courses. They right. used to do a few offline, hmm. but now suddenly they pivoted extremely well and they have done eight. Or nearly ten courses in the last eighteen months. I've probably done right. about five, six of those. Right. So, uh, so I think that's online learning is here to stay. It's extremely important. It's 
amazingly flexible and i think that's a very good next step if you want to get into uh, the next level of uh, involvement in your area of interest uh, mccci is 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 something similar right again it's 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 uh, and i know you're going to talk about that it's it's related to networking and it's also uh, doing something more than just consuming information which is actually you know whether it's creating communities helping communities in your field of interest right and whether it's advocating specific issues whether it's lobbying with the policy makers whether it's uh, again just education so all those things you know you take it to the next level in terms of when you associate yourself with uh, all these kind of uh, organizations right and there are many in every field mm-hmm. and uh, again especially pune is full full of uh, <laughs> these, these these types so yes i think it's the next next step in 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 many in many senses right right and and even the content that you create right and like you said consumption is one thing but when mm-hmm. you create it's like you know uh, i think how feynman said that you know when you actually teach something to someone that's when you right. actually learn it right. better right right see i think one of one of the things that i personally like is uh, and again I, i i'm not saying this is right or this is wrong but if i find something interesting i have this inherent uh, desire to share it with uh, friends and now with with everyone right mm-hmm. so if i find something interesting a piece of uh, information uh, in any field of my interest my first reaction is uh, to share it and so then social media is a great platform for that because i know if i found it interesting there'll be at least 10 other people there'll be 100 other people depending on the topic you know if it's cricket there could be 1000 other people uh, who will find it interesting and who would learn something from it right. and i am trying to do the same thing from other people who are sharing correct so in a sense you can call it being altruistic but i i, I won't even call it being altruistic or uh, you know paid forward I, i think it's just a natural tendency for people to people to share interesting interesting stuff that they find interesting right and uh, the reverse also happens so that that becomes a natural progression as well for right. uh, for many and again that's where social media blogging have been very very powerful tool because yeah so i i remember you know some of the blog posts that you had written pre 2009 uh, 10 i think when you used to actually mm-hmm. you know distribute them through a through mail right yeah yeah of course <laughs> with, with because at that time is... email was email was probably the only distribution platform platform Correct. out there to, to hmm. distribute your blog and this was uh, as you said before social media got popular hmm. Uh, hmm. obviously one of the biggest uh, use use cases of social media is sharing your content right right whether it's facebook whether it's twitter whether it's instagram right yeah 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 so we're going to ask you more about networking but before that i'm going to ask you one more uh, quiz question amit and okay and let uh, me fail three out of three then <laughs> let's let's see <laughs> so where would you have seen a part of a cross section of an induction motor uh this is the moment when you know electricity is transformed into forward motion so that that specific part of a cross section of an induction motor okay now you're really testing I, i'm not even an electrical engineer ha but you know this very so, well so so where as in uh, are you talking about what what machine or where uh... so this is part of a cross section they have mm-hmm. just taken one cross section i mean one part of the cross section and they have mm-hmm. used it in the logo of something i'm going to give you a, a big hint a logo yeah is it tesla it is the tesla yeah, logo yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, i didn't understand the question i said where do you find it i thought you meant there was some other device or some yeah. other uh, yeah so this was the tesla coil right and, right, right. Uh, yeah yeah, yeah. They, they cut that at, right uh, 
right yeah. right so uh, i wanted to talk to you about uh, you know the whole uh, role of social media and mm-hmm. you know your friendship with elon musk on twitter so no, 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 <laughs> tell no, us no, more friendship. about that <laughs> he, 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 i mean i wish but no he just responded to one of my many uh, i guess uh, tags that i may have done to his uh, his posts or things like that but uh, yeah he he's been a very fascinating character for for many people especially in the technology field right uh, leave some of his uh, antics uh, aside but uh, uh, what is he been able to achieve in multiple areas it's just, right. just amazing and the focus that he has had and uh, there are a lot of visionaries out there but there are few people who actually deliver things right the amount of stuff that he's been delivered on not one but two and maybe soon three different areas is is just mind boggling and that's why i find what he does and following him to be very interesting i mean he can be entertaining as well <laughs> but uh, but he's he's solving some real interesting and tough uh, tough problems and building yet another website or a web based business channel i'm not saying those are not good or but far too long people were focusing on just that over the last two decades right uh with the advent of the computer and the internet revolution and uh, not many were focusing on real tough problems mm-hmm. real physical tough problems correct in transportation in space travel in energy and he was one of the few guys to talk about those things and now many others are also talking about it so i think that's 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 good by the way i'll highly recommend the biography that ashley vance yeah. uh, wrote That's in 2015 i think it's it's a very interesting book gives a good yes. insight yeah. uh, but it i mean it's been 6 years he should really write a follow up second edition to that because lot right. lot of lot more things have happened in the last 6 years right? <laughs> right right but that that is also quite revealing about uh, you know musk and also the fact that it is what semi uh, authorized right <laughs> he elon musk has mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. some issues with uh, what uh, ashley vance yeah. wrote uh, so yeah. that, that's yeah. also interesting right mm-hmm. yeah so so amit how do you use uh, you know social media for networking a a, a a basic question that a lot of people will have almost like a reservation right that okay i have something to say which may be of interest to somebody like elon musk but i'll i'll probably not tag him uh, people will I think I'll, I'll leave, so, leave aside leave, leave aside elon musk and that's that's an extreme corner case but hmm. to, to answer your more fundamental question you know how do you use social media for networking or i'll 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 come one step further down right which is uh, how do you network or why do you network right, right. let's let's leave social media out initially and let's talk right. about the more fundamental question i mean obviously there are lot of advantages of networking so let's not get there i think let's treat hmm. that as something that uh, people people it. would remember or know hmm. right but then how do you network i think it goes back to our discussion from half an hour back and i think it is to do a lot of it is to do with curiosity I think there are a lot of people who are inherently not curious but want to do networking for the sake of networking because someone has told them it will help them in their career or uh, it will help them in their job or whatever and they try to network and that will never work because networking is when you're trying to find and talk to interesting people in your field or your fields of interest if fundamentally you don't have interest in that field or curiosity in that field then you're not going to have interest in those people right and then you are in a sense you are setting up uh, yourself for failure even before you have started networking hmm. so i think uh, i networking has to start with your curiosity in a specific area and then you automatically find people in that area right i think so it it should not be uh, should not be like you just 
find interesting people you you have to also think of okay, what are the areas that interest me yes sometimes there are interesting people who may, may generate your interest in a particular area that's that's okay and that's that's fine but initially you have to have that curiosity in a particular area and then you seek out people who are who are experts who are role models who are uh, who have done some interesting things and ultimately you want to network with people who have done some interesting thing right i mean you don't want to network just with people like you i mean you do but the goal of networking is to always aim a little higher right right so so if that's the case then you have to first find out what is that area of interest and then whether it's in the physical world it's at conferences or in meetups in large corporations you have better chances or in sales cycles or anywhere you seek out those people and try to try to connect uh, connect with them right in social media obviously it's become a lot easier because now you know you can essentially connect with people anywhere in the world uh and that's the second part of the question which is how do you do networking on social media so let me come back to that a little later but i think i'll answer your first question that you know you network your networking starts with curiosity in a specific field right and then you it, it's just an extension of curiosity in a specific field and you don't do it for the sake of networking i mean it's like someone told you that to progress in your career or to do this you have to just go and meet 10 people i mean that 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 doesn't work i mean it works to the extent that yes there is some serendipity involved in networking at conferences or on social media you you talk to 100 people and you find 10 interesting who may be out of your field so yes i mean that is needed to be done in any sales cycle or anything like that so that is fine but ultimately you need to also be very clear about what areas are going to be of interest to you to take that networking further otherwise you'll meet interesting people but then you won't have anything to talk to them and then right. after a hi hello it will be the end of that uh, uh, that that meeting Hmm. Right. So, so let's come back to the social media question later. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, uh, another thing that we've heard from people who are a bit diffident about networking is that okay, um, I go, what do I you know give to them? Right. So uh, I I know it, it is again coming back from curiosity, but if you can make it a bit more tangible for people who are just trying to start out on this whole thing about okay. i have some interest but what do i give to people right and you don't have to give to uh, give anything to people i think sometimes mm-hmm. very times people who are who are good in a specific field are usually curious about that field and they are not always looking for answers right i think uh, they're they're often looking for interesting questions so so if right. you have interesting questions for them about that field about that domain about what they have done about mm-hmm. why they did something Hmm. or you know what would they advise on a specific area again this is related to their field of interest or work that's a good enough start i mean many times these people are not expecting you to contribute something to their at least not immediately hmm. Hmm. so start with interesting questions for them rather than hmm. telling them who you are what you do or you know you have some solution for them and then they'll laugh at you and they'll say oh, i'm an expert in this field who are you to tell but hmm. you start with asking them interesting questions i mean most people in general I mean, there are exceptions but generally people like to teach or explain in mm, most cases mm, mm, so if you start off on that platform i think it's a good starting point i would right say. right and and do you see a difference in the kind of networking that people should do you know based on where they are in their careers you know tech uh, engineers versus business leaders also a, I, know, i think i think i wouldn't i mean i wouldn't yeah, i wouldn't make hard and fast i mean as i said you don't do networking for the sake of networking mm-hmm. you do networking in what what is of interest to you 
right? right. Now, obviously, you need to first tune your interest to be the right interest mm. if you have some flexibility there, mm. right? So, which goes back to our earlier discussion with the regional. You have to be curious about your industry, your competitors, your your customers, uh, what technology trends are happening in your. So, so all that is there, and once you have that, you'll automatically find the right people to network in your industry. Once you have those those things clear, and don't I would say don't segment, don't segment it or don't put it in different buckets. I mean, mm. that I'm only going to network to young with young people, only mm. with old people, only with experts. Keep it open, mm. uh, have an open mind, and any place you go to, you never know who you would. Uh, you would uh, connect with yeah so how do you stay in touch with them and you know when you are engaging with these people you know what's what's like you know what's like a regular interaction so that i mean again there is no real uh, cookie cutter solution there but if you have connected in the uh, in the physical world then it's just a basic question of sending follow up emails or follow up linkedin message saying you know i met you at such and such and we had a good discussion but i learned this but by the way i have one or two follow up questions on that can mm. you and sort of leave it at that or if you have really learned something on a simple thank you note connect mm. on linkedin so such basic things and you can repeat the same thing on social media whether it's replying with a tweet or 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 something like that right mm-hmm. and so again i mean there's there's no cookie cutter solution or no sort of standard thing it's just it's it's staying in touch i think most people forget the most basic things of staying in touch Right, mm-hmm. which is you go to a conference and you meet interesting people. I mean, some of them could just be peers; they don't have to be experts or something. But they're right. good at networking, right? Just sending a one-line email after the conference, mm-hmm. or you attended an interesting talk by a speaker, mm-hmm. right? Just sending a one-line thank you email, right? And I mean, this has nothing to do with social media. I mean, this Correct. is the option has been available for twenty five, thirty years. <laughs> sending a one line email. <laughs> Typically, <laughs> most of these people advertise their email. Right. Right. At the end of the talk, or, or very easy Google search to anyone who says I can't find your email itself, I think is a problem. I mean, I think to, in today's day and age, it's easy to find someone's email or social media handles using Google. Right. So, so just do that. You know, just just <laughs> just stay in touch. I think people just completely forget. or get to their day to day chores or whatever right after you are done with an interaction in a physical conference invest some time in trying to find out who are the interesting people and then replying to them keeping track of them connecting to them on social media do those kind of thing most people the moment they are done with a conference forget everything right right i think that that is a problem i think that right. you need to invest some some effort on it mm-hmm. and and uh, how have you been seeing people do networking in the last one and a half years in the absence of these you know physical conferences i think that 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 change had already happened right i think if you look at over the last 10 years uh, or actually even earlier uh, ever since linkedin came on uh, line right virtual networking or social media enabled networking has becoming more and more prominent and of course in the last year and a half it's becoming even more prominent so mm. now uh, with social media whether it's twitter or whether it's linkedin it has gotten good professional acceptance in many areas right so pretty much the same things that you do on conferences you can now do online right so uh, you can watch a youtube talk or an interaction of someone instead of attending a physical session at a conference follow it up with the same set of responses that you would do in a in a conference or on linkedin or twitter have a similar professional interaction with someone you don't know initially but just mm-hmm. sort of approach them like a cold call or you know hi good to meet you uh, looks like you're interested in this again there has to be some match there has to be some right. interest match hmm. right hmm. or some common background 
uh, <clears throat> another thing that i didn't mention is for networking uh, alumni networks play a big role hmm. that's one of your easiest uh, networking opportunities that people forget i mean all the things that i was talking about for the last 10 minutes was about networking where you have no common connection just common right. interest hmm. but uh, actually it can be a lot easier if you tap on to your alumni connects hmm. whether it's hmm. your undergrad whether it's grad whether it's previous companies uh, you you don't realize that you already have a big network out there hmm. especially i'm talking about mid career professionals even right. fresh grads alum they already have their college network right right so tap into that and stay in touch with your classmates with mm. your uh, ex colleagues from your previous uh, companies that is one of the easiest networks to maintain mm. and people uh, just completely forget it uh, right right yeah yeah and and uh, you know one of the final uh, questions amit so which is where we going to you know get down to some recipes uh, right so both for curiosity and uh, networking how do you make it easy for yourself you know what kind of tools and hacks and systems uh, do you use to make it more you know deliberate basically you know what are the things that listeners can do to be more no, like think, you <laughs> yeah no i think they i mean each uh, if i were to talk about tools whether it's email whether it's twitter whether it's linkedin each of these platform has a bunch of different tools and i mean don't have to go into details of that but it's again going back to basics whether it's filtering whether it's marking as important whether it's uh, storing drafts whether it's uh, searches uh, to see if there has been any update by someone hmm. all these provide plenty of tools right so just just use use those tools use uh, understand the capability of those platforms to to i mean twitter for example has so many powerful tools that very few people use whether it's lists whether it's search whether it's filtering and you can find uh, pretty much anyone that's that's out there right so i think one other thing that people need to uh, it's difficult for me to explain in two or three minutes but i mean you can pretty much learn about it or read about it but you need to be very good at search hmm. and when i say search it really starts with google search but and then search in any platform whether it's search on linkedin whether it's search on twitter whether it's search on facebook whether it's search in your own email i think people two or three things people don't understand the value of search then people don't take search seriously and third and important thing we try to highlight is people just don't know how to use search hmm. i think sometimes once in a while i think there should be actually classes on how to use google search or how hmm. to use twitter search and things like that there is mixing so many easy and then there are people who always complain my pet peeve is uh, you know Uh, oh, the algorithmic timeline didn't show me this important tweet or this important post. There are so many ways to beat an algorithmic timeline and have a search or have a filter or have a list, which will show you exactly what you want. And in all platforms, because every platform is now essentially using algorithmic timeline. Right. So, so it's. I mean, again, become. I would say become search literate. Is <laughs> what I mean. As I said, people talk about you to alert becoming social media literate. I'll, I'll add another term to that, saying you know you have to become search literate. In, in in this world because the information is there right. but if you don't know how to find it hmm. then you are as good as illiterate in that particular area right right so learn learn, learn that uh, and that that will be very very helpful right uh, a subtext to that uh, amit to improve the quality of your uh, search do you also do a lot of note taking is there any metadata that you store for people articles you know links not, not really i mean i think I, i again i use tools i think one of the best metadata for a person 
hmm. i think that i have found in the last 15 years is linkedin right i mean 90 95% of people with any connection to the corporate world and now increasingly even not connected to corporate world like politics and ngos hmm. have a basic hmm. profile on linkedin right right now that is better metadata than any place you will find hmm. Hmm. so that is that is as good as basic metadata hmm. now if you are trying to find someone's twitter handle or finding more information on twitter about someone you need to realize that you know finding for someone's twitter handle on twitter is not very effective correct like if i have to find harish kumar twitter <laughs> handle if I, if i put harish kumar in twitter search i would easily find it hmm. the most powerful search to find a twitter handle is google right so if i put a name twitter id and put it in google Hmm. Google usually does a very good job of giving me that person's Twitter handle, hmm. uh, even better than LinkedIn at times. Right. So Google search is far better than uh, so you can actually use someone's name LinkedIn, someone's name Twitter, and use Google, and you will get uh, you'll get better results. So when you have such good search available out everywhere, right? Same thing with email. Uh, I think this whole business of metadata and categorization and folders and subfolders and all that. I'm not saying it's bad, but I think that was a traditional approach when you know you didn't have powerful search. So mm-hmm. then, then you had to have a very segmented approach to track information. The old right. library catalog system, right? Mm-hmm. Today everything can be completely flat. You just need to remember the keywords, right? And you need again, it goes back to you need to know what to search. So mm-hmm. for that, you need to know the right keywords. Mm-hmm. Once you remember that, then I I don't store any of this information anywhere, take notes or write it down or anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just remember the keywords i think that's that is all that you that you really need right right and and um, you know one more question that came to mind amit is how do you handle new media right uh, so now you have clubhouse and twitter spaces so audio has become a, a big thing mm-hmm. uh, we moved from uh, text to video first and now video uh, you know is is becoming less important and audio mm-hmm. is becoming more important So, do you sort of get onto every new platform that is out there and test it out, or how how do you handle that? No, I don't. I mean, I I haven't been very active on Clubhouse. I haven't been very active on uh, Twitter Spaces as well. I prefer the asynchronous um, method of communication more than the synchronous method. So, mm-hmm. so in that sense, text and tweets for me is better than a live uh, conversation on Spaces or uh, or Clubhouse. But obviously i mean it's 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 an individual uh, right. choice right some people find it more interesting some people don't so uh, but to answer your question yes i don't i don't chase every new platform that's out there i think for me i would say email linkedin and twitter are probably my three most uh, used platforms right uh, right and i think those are those are quite quite effective and probably will will remain that way for at least a few years of course i mean you can't say a new platform may come next year to mm. make all these obsolete and then that's fine i mean you need to get on get on it right but for now i think these three are quite uh, quite good right. across all the use cases that you could think of correct correct yeah and i'm sure you know this should be true for at least 95 to 99% of our audience as well yeah uh, but of course if if you want to do an interview and all Uh, and broadcast it. I mean, I've done a lot of those these kind of interviews, like what we are right. doing with with MCCI and with some other other blogs. Then obviously you use Zoom or uh, you know WebEx and record it and then mm-hmm. post it on YouTube. So that right. so that publishing is a different problem altogether, and for which you use a blog or uh, a text mm-hmm. blog or a video blog, which is oftentimes right. YouTube. Mm-hmm. Right. That that is still necessary for right. these kind of interviews. Correct. Yeah. 
all right amit so we'll we'll come to the last section where we're going to ask you about the future relevance of two to three things and uh, it's like your hot take on on what do you think mm-hmm. is the future relevance of this so the first one we just spoke about it so what do you think is the future relevance of email i think it will be very much around i think uh, people have been talking about the death of email every few years they talk about it uh, without realizing that email has been around for now 40 plus years right. or, or more and uh, i continue to be a big fan of email i think uh, for for formal inter company communication i think it's still still the best uh, standard uh, of course technologically there are experts who will talk about it not being secure it needs to improve in this area and that area and yes i think a lot of those things can happen and should happen but i think fundamentally i think email will continue to be a a good basic platform to interact between different organizations inside an organization yes you know chat chat programs like uh, whatsapp and all other kinds will will be more popular and will reduce the role of email hmm, hmm. but when you're trying to interact with people you don't know email would still be a good it's, it's like your visiting card people have been saying for last 20 years that your business card is going to extinct and it hasn't so a business card which has your phone number and email on it will still continue to be at least in the foreseeable future an important uh, way of communicating right yeah yeah all right the next one i think we can have a separate uh, one hour long conversation but still i'm going to ask you for a hot take so what is the future relevance of pune as a startup destination i think uh, it is very much uh, very much uh, relevant uh, it, it's done well it could obviously do a lot better uh, and we all know the constraints uh, that are there that are preventing it from doing even better but i'm i'm i continue to be very optimistic and positive about it i mean we we have we have enough positive things going in our our favor and we are in the top 5 i mean uh, you can always say we could do this better we can do this better and we are falling behind bangalore uh, on this or ncr on this and that's fair but uh, that should take away the fact that we are still in the top 5 so so i continue to be optimistic and if there are some things that we all know that uh, hurt us if we are able to fix some of those things whether it's infrastructure whether it's some other areas we can do even better right yeah okay and and finally uh, amit what is the future relevance of t20s i think very relevant i am a big fan of uh, all formats of uh, cricket so i even like odis but uh, i think t20s will get more popular and odis will definitely go down in popularity because i think test cricket will continue to do well Right. and t20 will do well so then odi is sort of neither here nor there so i think uh, we'll 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 see that right did you watch the 100 started having five ball overs and you know a lot of oh, okay you, i thought you were talking about a documentary no, yeah, no. yeah that that yeah, that i've yeah, seen yeah. a few on uh, uh, on some one of those sports channels right but odi can be interesting yeah i mean correct right? correct so yeah. just highlights the fact that odi can also be very interesting right yeah you need that brewing time for that you know that that yeah, tension yeah, yeah. <laughs> between a, a t20 and a, a right. test match as right well, right, right. So, yeah on on that note amit thanks a lot we touched upon a, a whole range of uh, topics trying to do justice to your uh, you know varied interests as well and i think we've got uh, a lot of you know useful actionable lessons on on uh, you know the role of curiosity and networking and and how our listeners can actually you know use these lessons in their own work for professional growth or otherwise right i'm i'm stressing on that fact because it's not to be done for a very specific objective right. but do it for for the right reasons so thanks a lot yeah. amit thanks thanks arish i think this was this was interesting uh, had fun uh, doing this interaction 
and uh, i hope i mean i have probably rambled across a variety of different uh, topics hope some of them will be of interest to uh, to some of your audience so uh, thanks again yeah, thanks a lot amit